welcome aboard Just Jets with your captain, Matt O'Leary. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. Hello and welcome to Just Jets episode number 77. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary, going to be hanging out with you. Excited to get into it. Our quarterback is signed. Zach Wilson is officially there at camp. He was in front of the fans on Saturday, put on a show in front of everybody. We're going to get to your voicemails. And I want to talk about the kicking situation because I want to vent a little bit. And I'm annoyed at the kicking situation. I think Joe Douglas has ignored this position a little bit. So we'll get into that and so much more on this episode. But first, a message from our sponsor, attention listeners across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston. Do we have a pube problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new Lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet with the Performance Package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. Can't forget that with promo code JETS20. That is J-E-T-S-20. You can get yourself the performance package, the weed whacker, the briefs, the crop preserver, anything you want, 20% off and free shipping. Absolutely worth your while. Go check it out with the promo code. Now, as I hinted at the very top here, the New York Jets have an issue at the kicker position. I look at what they had at punter last year in Brain Men, and I think he was maybe a little bit slightly overrated in his rookie year. I think he is going to get better. He was like the 20 or 21st rated punter by Pro Football uh, Focus and just was, you know, fairly average to a, a touch below average in a lot of categories. But I think he'll be better. I think he's, you know, not someone you're going to have to worry about. As for the kicker, that is definitely something you're going to have to worry about because Sam Ficken was cut. He kicked a majority of the games last year. You also had Sergio. He was their kicker last year as well. 2019, let's not forget, they started things off with the kicker. Oh, my God. Carrie Vedvik. Oh, can't forget about Carrie Vedvik. They lost week one in against Buffalo, the game where Sam Darnold was playing with Mono, most likely. They lost because of the kicker. And that is two years ago now, and the Jets still have not addressed that well enough. For some dumb reason, the Jets decided to let go of their premier kicker after the 2018 season. Yes, I know. It makes no sense. You would think that for some reason, like, hey, we have this kicker in Jason Myers, why not keep him around? It's not going to cost you a whole lot. What does he sign for? Can we look up his contract? I'll do that right now. Pull up his contract at the moment. Would it be back-breaking for this franchise? For them to, okay, four years, $15.45 million with Seattle. Let's do the math. 15.45 divided by four. That's an average annual value of $3.86 million against the cap. I mean, come on. This is, a, that's minuscule. I would rather have one of the best kickers in the game for three to $4 million than pay some nobody what a, a million a little under a million and for what to lose you games because it's happened we've seen the jets lose games because of how bad their kicking situation was and sure in 2020 probably don't mind when the new york jets are missing kicks and not playing at their best against teams like seattle who was it um was it ficken or the other one sergio uh who was kicking for the Jets uh, that game. I'm trying to remember on the road in Seattle. They got their doors blown off, but they just missed kick after kick after kick. Uh, I'm going to pull it up now for you as well. Uh, it was Sergio Castillo who was kicking that game. Yeah, they split time between Ficken Castillo and Chase McLaughlin kicked for a game. I forgot about that. Um, wild that they've had so many different kickers in here, but... I may have a solution for you. And no, I don't think it's going to be Chris Nugar, the guy they drafted out of SMU or picked up rather out of SMU. I think they're going to look for someone who's going to get cut because let's face it, they're kicking competitions and some guys shake loose. 
most times because a lot of teams, they don't carry two kickers. Looking at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they just extended Ryan Suckup. So I don't anticipate him going anywhere, but they also have Jose Borregales, who was a kicker at the University of Miami last year, and he was really good. He kicked at a 90.9%. I think that might be your best bet for when he shakes loose, bring him in. Uh, and he can compete with Nugar or whoever they just brought else they just brought in. Like, that's the thing. It's really picking from the scrap heap and trying and praying that something works. But it's kind of flawed logic. And the Jets haven't been able to find that replacement after the 2018 season. 2019 was a disaster. 2020 wasn't much better. And going into 2021, you likely have the same issues. So... My hope is that Borgali shakes free because I think he would probably be better than Nugar. Uh, And I I know it's a little bit of a risk because he's a rookie, but I think that's the direction that I would like to see this team go at the kicking position. Because again, it matters. Like, sure, in 2019, when you were seven and nine, and for a majority of that season, you were what, like one and seven? Not the least of my worries on a two and 14 team last year with the worst offense in the NFL and an awful head coach, very far down on the pecking order of things that I cared about. But now as you're starting to make the turnaround where the roster looks better and you're going to be in games and you're not rooting for losses, you want to have a good kicker and the Jets don't have that on the roster. So my solution, Jose Borregales, I think he shakes free. And I think that's probably the most likely scenario for the New York Jets in 2021, unless Nugar just proves that he could be the guy, which I'm not sold on. It's still early enough in training camp, but I'm not exactly sold on it. So with that, that was my first little rant of the show. Just had to get some things off my chest. We have a ton of voicemails to get through, so I want to get into those nice and early on the episode. We're going to go to Chris in Pennsylvania up first, who wants to talk about training camps. Hey, Matt. Chris from Pennsylvania here. What up? Uh, love your show. Uh, Thank you. Working at home, a little bit more bearable having, to, <laughs> having it go in the background. There you go. Uh, training camp's approaching pretty quick. Uh, one question I have is, what is your most memorable moment from uh, Jeff's training camp? Ooh. Me, personally, I have two. Okay. Uh, 2009, when they went back to Hofstra, it was after practice, and players were coming over to sign. Uh, Nick Folk ended up coming over by us. And there was a little kid, maybe five or six years old, and he gave him a football to sign. And he's like, oh, is this just for me to sign? And the kid was like, oh, no, I want to get everybody on it. He goes, oh, well, hold on a second. So he leaves, and he goes and gets one of the actual footballs that they were practicing with. He went over to get Sanchez. He went over to get Thomas Jones. And I think he got Revis. And then he came back over. He signed it. And he goes, here you go. He goes, I got you the hard ones. He goes, now you go get the rest. So the kid with the jersey that was – hanging down past his feet, tripping over as he's running away. I think <laughs> his name there. was Brendan. And Nick yells at him. He goes, hey, Brendan, I'm not done with you yet. So he comes back over. He gave him his jersey. He gave him his gloves. And he gave him his cleats off his feet. And he walked back barefoot. And then everybody was clapping. Just such a feel-good moment. And that's, I think that's how you get you get a fan. That kid's going to be hooked for the rest of his life. So hopefully, uh, hopefully he's listening to this podcast, too, and, you know, still a That'd fan. That'd be cool. You know, loving it. The other, cool. the other one that comes to mind was when it was up at Cortland, and Terry uh, Rhodes was signing autographs after practice, and everybody was leaning over the ledge, throwing down footballs, jerseys, hats, and uh, all you hear out is from this guy. He goes, "Terry, will you sign my leg?" And look up, and the guy's holding a prosthetic leg. Terry oh. was like, "I would love to sign your leg." He goes, "Do you want somebody to come up and get that?" He goes. Nah, man, this thing's been through everything. I'll just chuck it down to you. And he literally threw his prosthetic leg over the side, and I think Terry, Terry signed it over on the cap. Or something like <laughs> That's that. amazing. So, yeah, training camp coming up. Super excited. Less than a week to go. I'll be there Saturday. Hope, awesome. I'll see a lot of, lot of Jets fans there, too. Uh, love the work you're doing, man. Thank Keep you. It up. Go Jets, baby. All gas, no brakes. Love it. Oh, I wish I was there on Saturday. Uh, for those of you who are going to the green and white scrimmage this upcoming week, I will be there for that. So hopefully I meet a lot of you guys and are able to meet some people and you know shake some hands and stuff like that. It'll be an absolute blast. I know that Ryan from Jets Talk 24-7 has tickets. Unsure if he's going. Uh, Lee will be there. Uh, I'm just going to hang out. 
I don't really, I'm, you know, I don't have any plans. So hit me up, send me a DM and uh, I'll let you know where I'm at and we could hopefully meet up. That'd be awesome. Um, as far as training camp, both of those stories were awesome too, by the way. I, I miss when training camp was at Hofstra and I know for the Jersey people listening, that probably wasn't ideal for you guys. And I understand I'm <laughs> a little selfish in this regard because growing up, they always practice at Hofstra, which is literally 10 minutes from where I live. Uh, I'm very, very close to where they practice and, uh, I would go all the time. So ones that stick out to me, I was there for Brett Favre's first practice as a jet just absolutely insane uh or the, at least the first one that was open to the public the it was that was a, just a wild scene him being there um getting autographs was also so cool growing up some re- i'm trying to think of like who was really brad smith was really nice uh i saw someone reach over the fence and grab thomas jones's skull cap right off his head i thought that was kind of a dick move didn't love that um who else was cool? I met Sean Ellis, not at training camp, but I love, I love Sean. You guys know how big of a Sean Ellis fan I am. Um, Lavernius Coles was cool. He stood out there and signed for a really, really long time. Uh, my sister got him. I wasn't able to grab his autograph. Dustin Keller was funny. Uh, there's been a really lot of, a lot of good experiences. I didn't really have any bad experiences where like a, a player was a jerk or anything like that, but yeah, I, I really I love training camp. It's really fun for young kids to go and get that interaction and watch practice and stuff like that. And the Jets fest with like the the not the rides, but like I don't know. I feel like they'd have those blow up things that you could run through and stuff like that. That was so much fun. I absolutely love that. Um, so yeah, training camp was awesome, and uh, those are some of my favorite memories from training camp. Bobby from California is up next. He was he was pondering something and he wanted to share. So let's get let's get to Bobby now. Hey, what's up, Matt? This is uh, Bobby from California. Yo. Listen, man, I just had a huge epiphany. So, you know, everybody's talking about how our two games against the Bills, automatic L's, right? Yeah, I was just thinking about we should all be rooting for the Bills to be dominant this season to think about it. They're heading into week 17. Let's say they're, what was it, 17 games would be 14 and 2. They might rest their guys, and that could be a win for us. Like, let's say we're on the cusp of a wild card. They don't have anything to play for. Like, we could take that win if we're playing against their second team. And you got to think about, like, man, seven or eight wins or maybe they can get us to nine or ten at the end of the year. So I don't, I don't hear too many people uh, talking about that. Let me know your thoughts, man, and uh, go Jets. Um, I think that's the only way they would be able to beat Buffalo. I, I'm sorry to say. I'm, I just don't think they're there yet. I'm anticipating the Bills will have the division locked up. I think they will. But with only one team getting a bye, they might still have a lot to be playing for in Week 17. I feel like when two teams had the bye, usually like their buys were already locked in. But they might be playing for the one seed still at that point or just for you know b- better seeding. We'll see when they get there. That's really the only way I see them beating Buffalo, uh, unfortunately. Looking at this team, what they went, what, 13-3 and three last year? I think they're probably what, at least a 12-5 and five team this year, if not better. Uh, this is a really, really good team. It hurts to say because they're a division rival, but I think this team is going to be really, really good uh, in Buffalo. So I think you're right, and that's that could potentially be a scenario, um, and that'd be a lot of fun. It would almost remind you at the end of the 2009 season when uh, the Jets had to beat the Colts and the Bengals and back-to-back weeks in order to get in the playoffs. That was a lot of fun. Um, And thank you, Bobby, for calling in, by the way. Dan from New York is up next, and he has some predictions for the season. Let's hear Dan's predictions. Hey, Matt, this is Dan from New York. I just tried calling. I was in the middle of leaving a voicemail, and it cut me off. I guess I was rambling on for too long. (laughs) That's okay. I'm going to try to make this a little bit shorter and not get cut off this time. So, all right, I got um, some predictions for this upcoming season um, for the whole offense. So, um, as I go along, let let me know what you think about it, if you change anything, uh, which you probably will. So, I guess we'll start off with um, the man, Zach Wilson. Uh, I have him going for 3,900 yards, um, adding 200 on the ground as well with three touchdowns on the ground. I have him going for 29 passing touchdowns and 12 interceptions. 
I think this is a very high expectation, but I think he I can think do that's it. fair. Um, he seemed to light it up in uh, the OTAs. I think he's going to do great in training camp. So I'm just really excited to see what this kid can do. Um, the next up, the uh, running back room. I got Michael Carter. I think he's going to be a huge piece for this offense. I have him going for nine or 950 total yards and 10 touchdowns, eight on the ground, and two receiving. Wow. okay. And I got Kevin Coleman. I think he's going to go for about 450 total yards, um, five touchdowns total, four rushing, one receiving. And I got Ty Johnson. I think he's going to be a third running back. Sorry, Michael P. Ryan. Um, Agree. Just didn't work out. So I got him going for 300 total yards, um, two touchdowns, one rushing, and one receiving. And next up, I got the wide receiver room. I don't think there's going to be anybody that, like, really goes crazy and goes for over a 1,000, but I think a lot of these guys are going to put up solid numbers. So first up, I got Elijah Moore. I think he's going to go for 820 yards with six touchdowns. And I got Jameson Crowder going for 450 yards and four touchdowns. And I got Keelan Cole, 500 yards and two touchdowns. Okay. And Denzel Mims, I think he has a great year, 750 yards, five touchdowns. And uh, last but not least, they got Corey Davis with 850 yards and five touchdowns. Okay. In the tight end room, um, I'm not really high on this room at all. Um, Fair. I know you're a big Chris Herndon guy, but I, I just, I'm not a big big fan of him. Um, he's going to really have to step up this year for me to uh, jump on the Chris Herndon wagon. So for him, I got 300 yards and two touchdowns. And last but not least, I got Tyler Croft with 100 yards and one touchdown. I don't really think he's going to do a whole lot. I'm not as a receiver. Agree. So, um, yeah, let me know what you think of my predictions, and go Jets. Interesting. Interesting, interesting, interesting. I'm going to give you – so I had a video come out yesterday, by the time this is going to go out, uh, on my predictions for Zach Wilson, and I kind of went into how I got there. And basically, just if you didn't see it or, or just need a refresher, how I how I got those numbers was I took league average in 2020. I also took – Rookie, the the last three years of rookie starting quarterbacks, I used about 10 different guys, I believe, somewhere around that. Uh, eight, nine, 11, actually, excuse me. Uh, those numbers. And I also used San Francisco 49ers quarterbacks over the last three years and kind of looked at all of that and pieced it together. Um, we're pretty close. I'll give you mine on Wilson. Uh, 92.5 passer rating, 26 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, 4,026 yards, 64.4 completion percentage, 74, uh, excuse me, 7.4 yards per attempt. And I, I can't tell you a, a, enough, really, how many people have been lowballing him or, or just calling my prediction outright, you know, outrageous. He'll never hit 4,000 yards. It, it doesn't really take a whole lot to hit 4,000 yards. In 17 games. That's the thing. Like, I don't know if people are forgetting that there's a 17th game because that's going to make a big difference here. I'm going to do math quick on the calculator. It would be, it would take 235 yards a game for him to hit uh, 4,000 yards. There's going to be a lot of guys doing that. And 3,900, which I think that's probably, like, that's reasonable. I think you could absolutely do that. 229 yards per game. San, Darnold's rookie year was like what 226 223 somewhere in that ballpark I think he goes just over 4,000 I agree that I don't think we see a thousand yard rusher or an a thousand yard receiver um we are close on those predictions I don't want to give too much away because I'm kind of going to be releasing those in blocks I have a uh, receivers and pass catchers going to be coming out I'm going to have running back going to be coming out but um, I will say that I have Davis as the leading receiver like you. Um, and then I have Mims and, uh, more pretty close. Uh, I would probably say for running backs, same order and who's going to get the most touches and stuff like that. And, uh, I'm going to do the defensive side too. Um, but I'm excited for this year. I really am. I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. So I, I don't think your predictions are really that off base there at all. Ben in New Jersey is up next. He wants to talk to Sean Watson, but I don't think really for the Jets. Let's get into it. What's up, Matt? It's Ben from Jersey. I'm, I'm here to talk about a player that was probably the hottest topic in Jets land 
from the month of January to April. I'm talking about the one and only Deshaun Watson. It seemed like it was, it was only three short months ago that we were first in the sweepstakes to get Deshaun Watson this before is all of these assault allegations popped up. And now, after six months of all this drama, the Texans are finally honoring Watson's trade request to be traded. And the asking price is looking like it's five first-round picks and two caliber, starting caliber players. I'm not saying the Jets should trade for him because that ship has sailed already, but there are a bunch of teams who could definitely trade for him, including the Eagles, the Broncos, New Orleans, and even our, our rivals, the Patriots and the Dolphins. I I mean I don't I just don't want Watson to go there to either of those two places. I prefer him to go to Philly, even though we play Philly this year. I still think Philly is a pretty garbage team. You can get him out of the like AFC. I think even with Watson, they're not going to be good. Like they'll be better, but I think they'll still be pretty bad. Like bottom seven. I just all I all I just I just don't want Miami or, or New England to trade for him, and I don't think either of them will. And, no, and I still I'd think be surprised. Watson will stay in Houston after all of this. I don't think any team should take on the risk, but I we know Jeffrey Lurie and, and Howie Roseman they like to do some crazy deals, and I think they would be the guys who would be willing to take the risk on Watson playing without any suspension or anything like that. And that's somewhere I would be fine with him going. I kind of don't want him to go to Denver either. No, out of, out of the AFC. AFC. And obviously, yeah. I, I, as I said, I don't want him in division. So if he gets traded, I prefer him to be traded to the Eagles. But I really think he'll just stay in Houston. And, and it'll be a lose-lose for both sides, honestly. So that's what I think about Deshaun. Let me know what you think, and as always, go Jets. Yeah, I think the Eagles make the most sense. They have a ton of draft assets. They're gonna let, they're gonna give Hertz a shot. I don't love Hertz. I don't think he's gonna end up being the guy, but I think I'd be, I'd be really surprised if if Watson played this year. I don't know if he's gonna play. Um, so he might have to sit out a year. I, I don't know. I, I don't. I'd be very surprised. I'll say this first. I don't think he takes a step for Houston and uh, this year, and I don't think that a team is trading for him right now. I think we need to wait and see a little bit as these stories continue to, d- to develop with him. It, it's a tough situation that he's in. It's The more and more time passes, the uglier it looks. So I, I don't, and I know those rumors have started to circulate again because they saw him at training camp. People saw him at training camp, but I don't think he plays this year. Uh, just my gut feeling as of right now. And uh, if I had to pick a new location for him, I think Eagles makes the most sense. Uh, and I would love to see him out of the AFC if he is going to play somewhere. So get him to the NFC and uh, maybe he beats up on the Giants twice a year. Thank you, Ben, for that take and uh, for the conversation starter. Matt in Ohio is back and he's got some Jets awards we're going to talk through. Hey, Matt. Matt again from Columbus, Ohio, calling in. What up, man? Uh, I had a question I thought of. Um, I appreciate you taking my uh, my first question on the superlatives, but I had another question. Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on, do you think the Jets, and three categories here, do you think, one, what has the best chance of happening? Either Zach Wilson wins Rookie of the Year, Robert Sala wins Coach of the Year, or Joe Douglas wins Executive of the Year, which, if I'm not mistaken, I think McCagden won in 2015 somehow. So, wanted to get your thoughts on that. If it were up to me, I think Wilson probably has the best chance out of the three of that happening just because he doesn't have that many other rookie uh, rookies to go up against. And mostly, most of the time, quarterbacks win that award. For this is true. Year. So just want to get your thoughts on that. Thanks again, and go Jets. I think I agree with you. I would put – to me, Lawrence and Wilson are the favorites for the rookie of the year. It seems to always be a quarterback. And while I like Fields and Lance a lot – I'm not really a Mac Jones guy, so I'm not going to put him in the conversation, but I guess he could theoretically win. 
you don't know if those other two are going to start right away where you know that Lawrence and Wilson are going to start right away. So I think that gives them a little bit of a leg up. And on top of that, like what has to go right for Salah to win the head coach of the year award? They have to be a playoff team and probably win a playoff game at least, which is a very, very, very big ask for this team right now. And same for Douglas. I like what Douglas is doing, but I don't think they're going to improve enough to the point where he is in that conversation, even though McCagden did win it in uh, 2015, which is pretty nuts. Uh, I would have to agree and go with Wilson as well. Travis in Ohio is up next. He's got a good one this week. Not that he doesn't always have good ones, but I particularly like this voicemail. Let's hear from Trav. Hey, Matt. Yo. Travis from Ohio. Hey, buddy. Um, slow news week, and I can come come up with any way off topic talking points or topics to talk about. So, just wanted to tell you that I was listening to your show after work because I go to work every day and and then pick up my daughter and. She heard my voice when I was listening to your show, and she said, wait, that's you. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. I love my it. My buddy Matt that I talk to most every week, uh, Hell yeah. give or take a few. Um, anyway, <laughs> her eyes got huge, and she was <laughs> like, you're famous. And I was like, <laughs> That's no, so Matt's famous. I'm not. No, it. no, I'm not. But <laughs> I'm not. Because of the internet culture and everything else, like, it was just a sweet, sweet moment that she recognized. So, and it was a feel good. So, hopefully, that makes you feel good. It does. Anyway, uh, love you, buddy. And sweet, sweet Mrs. Wilson. <laughs> and hope the best from everybody above and go Jets. Love you. Bye. Love you too, buddy. I'm a, amazing. Amazing moment with uh, a father and daughter right there. Travis from Ohio should be famous. He absolutely, he's more electric than me. His personality is definitely a lot better than mine. I love these voicemails each and every week. Um, I don't look at my famous. Come on. I talk on the computer and for some reason, people come and watch. I, I don't look at myself as anything more than just a Jets fan who has an opinion. That's it. That's all it is. I'm no different than you guys who call the show. It's I love getting to... That's why I do this, too. I love getting the conversation going and just hearing all your guys' opinions. And just... It's a place to talk about the team. Sure, sports talk radio is great. I work in radio. I, it's part of the reason why I started doing this, but what makes it different is it's so hyper-focused on one topic. It's niche where sports radio tends to be a little bit more broad. So I'm every, the audience is diehard Jeff fans, just chopping it up, talking football. I absolutely love it. So thank you, Travis. Love hearing about that moment. That sounds absolutely awesome. Dom from Long Island is up next. He wants to talk a little Quinn and Williams. Always down to talk some Q. How's it going, Matt? It's Dom from Long Island. What up? Hey, I just wanted to talk about Quinn and Williams real quick and the whole overall defensive line as a collective. He's slowly become one of my favorite players since last year. He really improved, I think, in every part of his game. I think he's going to be a real game-breaker this year. But I don't think enough can really be said about the depth that we have on the defensive line now, which is honestly something I'm not used to. When you go just, just by defensive tackle, Quinn and Williams, Fatu Kasi, Ryan Kins, and then you also have a guy like Nathan Shepard who's young and we still haven't seen what he can fully accomplish yet. And then when you, you know, factor that into the edges that we have, you know, Carl Lawson, Vinny Curry, see if Zuniga does anything, Bryce Huff, probably someone I'm forgetting, but I really just think this defensive line isn't be is not being talked about enough and it's really it's gonna end up changing the games for us a lot of the time. And uh, will definitely help us with that young, you know, young defensive backfield that we have. So uh, yeah, I just want to get your thoughts on that and go, Joe. Yeah, I absolutely love this defensive line. To me, it's probably, but yeah, by far the best unit on the team. 
vastly, vastly improved. Quinton Williams and Carl Lawson should both threaten for double-digit sacks, which is very rare for the New York Jets to have. Uh, John Franklin Myers, I think, is a really underrated player. Folu Fadukasi is like Snacks Harrison reincarnated. Uh, Phillips was good in a rotation. I, I think people are sleeping on Vinnie Curry. I think he is really, really solid, solid as like a third down pass rusher. There's even other guys that I'm forgetting. They're, they're deep at the position. So I think they're just going to rotate these guys in, keep them fresh, and just get after the quarterback, which, like you said, it's going to make life for your secondary a lot easier because – I really, I hate to say it, but I think they will lose some games, you know, 30, you know, 35, 30, like some high scoring affairs because the secondary leaves a lot to be desired right now. It does, unfortunately. So I, I think what the games, when it clicks and when it's working, they're going to be getting after the quarterback, getting a bunch of sacks and creating turnovers through that way. But they're not a team. If they don't get to the quarterback, the defense isn't going to be good. That's just how it is. So they need those guys to get after it. So I think they do, and I'm with you. I, I'm, it's going to be really fun to watch them work. Quinton Williams, I think, is going to be a, a pro bowl or all-pro caliber talent this year. I, I think he's going to be really good. Up next, Vinny, Connecticut. Nick Foles, he wants to talk about it. Hey, Matt, it's Vinny in Connecticut calling in. Um, really quick, I wanted to ask you, um, what exactly is the holdup with um, getting Nick Foles here into the building? Uh, I mean, you keep seeing these rumors online that they're in contact or they're not in contact. I mean, what exactly is the holdup? What do the Bears want? I mean, you're trading for a backup quarterback here. The Jets have six, uh, three different six-round selections that they could give him. His contract isn't, like, terrible. Um, you would think by now that he would be here. The thing that I'm concerned with is if it's them just trying to be cheap, which they're historically known for, here's the thing that I fear. Now that Aaron Rodgers is back in town in Green Bay and they immediately released uh, our friend Blake Bortles, I could easily see the Jets bringing in a guy like that. Mm -hmm. And this is not the type of guy that should be there to mentor Zach Wilson once he does come to camp. I mean, look at it this way. On the one hand, you could bring in a Nick Foles, who is a Super Bowl champion and defeated Tom Brady on the biggest stage of them all. Or you can bring in a guy in Blake Bortles, who the highlight of his career is playing in an AFC championship game once. Uh, let me know what you think, and uh, we'll be in contact. Go, Jess. Um. Vinny, I don't know if I want to give up a draft pick for uh, Nick Foles. I, I understand it. Um, I think that they're probably going to try like move him to the Colts would make a ton of sense with the Carson Wentz news. I'm okay with signing Blake Bortles. I do think they need some kind of veteran, so maybe one shakes loose here in uh, training camp if somebody gets caught. Um, but I just don't... I don't know. I know they have a lot of six-round picks, but you want to give a six-round pick for someone who probably, if everything goes right, doesn't have to play? I don't know. I just don't know if that's if I want to go about acquiring my backup quarterback via trade. Like that, I just can't wrap my head around that. Uh, and that you could put that back on Douglas for not doing enough in uh, free agency, maybe. But I don't know. I, I think at this point, I'd rather just sign Blake because you're not going to have to give up a draft asset. And it really, what it's for, it's not so much for mentoring. Wilson because Blake hasn't necessarily played in this offense. Nick Foles hasn't necessarily played in this offense. It would be more about if something happened to Zach that you'd feel okay with someone coming in. I, I don't know about you. I don't feel okay about James Morgan or Mike White having to come in and play if there's a Zach Wilson injury. But I don't really – I think the whole you need someone to be there to mentor like a McCown or something like that, it could be a, a touch on the overrated side, but – I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I want to give up a draft pick for Nick Foles, unfortunately. Um, Jer maybe I'm wrong. Jeremy in California, Sacramento to be exact, has some sound bites for me. This should be fun. Hey, O'Leary, what's up? Hey, it's Jeremy. Um, just wanted to first, uh, I got to check. Are you stretching? Not enough. Because you know, you know about like, you know, you could pull a hamstring and get, you know, I, one of my favorite pitchers missed four months of the season because of that. And groin. You can, you know, with the, you know, Mosley lost, I mean, lost the whole season, you know. Yeah, so true. you got to stretch before you work out. Hey, I wanted to give you some sound bites, man. You talked about sound bites, so um, I don't got a question for you, but I'm giving you some sound bites. Um, and I'm going to do it for our, our left tackle, okay? Our left tackle sound bites. 
Pancake Betson. And here's another one. Pancake Betson, baby. <laughs> or you might like this one. Pancake Betson, O'Leary. Pancake Betson, Green Bean. Pancake Betson, Ryan. Pancake Betson, Just Talk 24-7. Hope we can use some of those. Take care, buddy. <laughs> Uh, never change. Never, ever change. This is so much fun. I love this show. Love the callers. I got to use that. I got to go back and find the Morgan Moses ones. Phenomenal. Morgan Moses, baby. I got to, I got to start mixing those in. I absolutely, absolutely love it. Uh, hopefully we're hitting that button a lot. The pancakes. Cause, uh, I think Becton's going to have a good year in front of him. We got Elias and Rochester calling in. He wants to talk about some roster cuts from around the league and if the Jets could pick someone up. Hey, Matt. What's going on, man? This is Elias from Rochester. Uh, before my question, I just wanted to give you some feedback on uh, I saw your tryout for a uh, quarterback for the Jets. Um, you know, there, there was some good, there was some bad in there. The bad, you know, footwork was a little sloppy. It could tell you've been Agreed. watching Sam Darnold for the past three years. Looked just like him. And, you know, <laughs> the, the motion was a little clunky. It looked like you were shot-putting the football a little bit. But, you know, not terrible. You know, you should showed good poise in the pocket. You weren't trying to bail. Um, kind of like Sam Darnold, who just fail out of clean pockets. But that's besides the point. My question <laughs> for you, man, is is there any veteran players um, the Jets could maybe target who could potentially be cut uh, towards the end of training camp? I know the popular name is like a Nick Foles or Zach Ertz. Um, I think Zach Ertz, I don't really know if he's a fit just because he's not really much of a blocker anymore. That's fine. Um, but are there any you know players or even free agents still available you really want to see or could see the Jets bring in? So, Matt, thank you for taking my question, man. Go Jets. I thought you brought, and yes, no problem. Always appreciate it. I I think that if I'm going to go a little bit outside the box on this one, maybe Jordan Hicks with the Cardinals. And I'll explain why. They've already pretty much come out and said that Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons are going to be starting on the inside. And the Jets have one linebacker that you probably feel confident in, and C.J. Mosley. He hasn't played in two years. You have an underachieving to this point first rounder in Gerard Davis. Blake Cashman, who can't stay healthy. And two late round rookies. Now, I like the late round rookies, especially Nazardine, I think, has a really good shot to play in this league. But... Would I be upset about bringing in a player in like Jordan Hicks? I mean, look at the numbers he's put up the last couple of years. I'll, I'll read them off to you. I think he had 150 tackles two years ago. He had over 100 the last two years. I can tell you that much. If Pro Football Reference wants to load, that would be ideal. But for whatever reasons, it's giving me problems right now. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, he had, in 2019, 150 and 118 last year. He's a good player. He's a really good player. And he's he's 29. Should be still in his prime. I think if he gets cut, that might be a name that you might want to circle back on. Is it super sexy? Probably not. But I think it's uh, a nice piece I would like to add to this team. Uh, Chris in Dallas is up next. He wants to talk about Coach Sala. Hey, it's Chris here from Dallas, Texas. First time calling in. I've been watching Welcome. the channel for you know at least three or four years. Been a diehard Jets fan. Appreciate it. Championship game, 1998 against the Broncos. Um, my question: This isn't going to be a too long of a of a uh, voicemail, but my question is: uh, What is the best thing that you think Coach Sala brings to this team? Because we have a young squad. This is the youngest team that we've had in over 10 years. And uh, I just want to see what he can do. What do you think is his best Ooh. talent that he could bring to these young, uh, especially the defensive backs? Uh, I appreciate your time. I appreciate this, this, the show. Um, I think you're awesome, man. And uh, I'll just keep watching, bro. I really appreciate that. Thank you for the kind words, Chris. And glad you've been a loyal follower. I'm going to say his best attribute is energy. I really like the energy and mindset that he brings. And when you look at specifically the last two head football coaches of the New York Jets, you had Todd Bowles, who was very monotone, 
reserved. Not, you know, everyone works a little bit differently. I understand that. That's not really his style, but he's kind of more flatline guy. Adam Gase, psycho, but not like super high energy, just a psycho. Robert Sala, he cares. He's into it. He loves his players. He's he's definitely a players coach. Not that he's like not smart X's and O's wise, but if you look up, you know, player coach, that he reminds me very much of a player's coach. Uh, and I think he he's a good motivator. And to me, that's what sets him apart. And I think that's what makes him so special. And I can't wait to see that out on the field. I think guys are going to be pumped up to play for him, especially defensive linemen. I mean, Carl Lawson is extremely pumped up to be a New York Jet, and it's easy to see why. In this system, he should thrive. Shane in New Jersey wants to talk some depth chart. Let's hear it. Hey, Matt, what's going on? Shane from Jersey calling again. Uh, What I want to talk about today was the depth chart of the first day of training camp, obviously subject to change, but, you know, for the sake of this voicemail, let's just roll with it. I wanted to see what your take was on a few positions, uh, specifically tight end uh, with Croft in the starting lineup. Uh, I don't mind that at all if he's going to catch the passes. Uh, go to him. I know you like Herndon, but I don't mind Croft there. I know he can block pretty solid, too. Uh, Mims being with the twos. Uh, I don't. Again, same thing with Keelan Cole. Whoever's going to catch the ball for Zach, I don't really care. Cole's a little better at it. As long as Mims still gets some reps, we can grow and develop. I'm cool with that. But I have no issues. Want to see what you have there. And then the third one, I was curious what you wanted to say, what you had to say about. Uh, I think Nazaldine is the, for the kid from Auburn, is the other outside linebacker opposite of Jared Davis. I was curious what you thought of that, having him start there. Again, you know, subject to change. Who knows what's going to happen after, you know, preseason week one. But I was curious what you had on those three positions, uh, specifically Nazaldine as the outside linebacker, you know, late-round pick, having him start. Just curious what your thoughts was on that. And then another thing I wanted to bring up. Uh, sure. This is kind of random, but man, you got to stop the hate on Barrios. Love <laughs> I don't hate Barrios. him. I just think he's overrated. Wide six. He's barely going to get any time. Let him rock. I don't know who, what you have against him. I know a lot of guys love him. I'm a big fan. You know, sixth guy. He did what he had to do last year. He was getting out there catching reps. Also, found this out after a few clicks on Instagram. Sorry for rambling. His girlfriend, the supermodel, her sister is dating Christian McCaffrey. So it seems like. The sisters have a little type there, but hey, who knows? Okay. McCaffrey, maybe they work out together. Maybe you pick some stuff That'd be up. nice. But love the show, man. Stop the Barrio tape. <laughs> Guy's a stud on the second team. He's wide receiver six. Thoughts on the depth chart. Love the show, man. Go Jets. Later. Wide receivers. I'm good. If he's wide receiver five or six, fine. But I, there's some... You should see my Twitter mentions, man. You would you would think that he's Jerry Rice. Um as far as some of the other stuff in this voicemail from Shane. Uh, Herndon and Croft, I think, is going to be an interesting battle. Right now, I think Croft probably has the edge, but I don't think he's really that productive as a receiver. I think more of a blocker. Mims, I'm not worried about yet. I know, And I, he even got moved down to the third team, and people are freaking out about Denzel Mims. He's a bust. People have said that in my mention. It's just like that. He's a bust. And, and they did the clenched fists. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't think Denzel Mims is a bust. Can we see him in pads, please? He's a contested catch guy. He's a win battle kind of guy. He's not someone who's going to flash in shorts and a t-shirt. I just don't buy it. That's not his game. I think he'll be fine. I'm not worried about Denzel Mims yet. Clip it, I guess. Old takes expose me, I guess, in six months if he has, you know, 200 receiving yards on the year, but. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think he's too talented to be this far down. I don't buy it. Um, what else do we have? Nazraldine. I, I think he is, I think as of right now, unless they bring in another linebacker, I think he's going to be the starter. I know that's kind of a big ask, but they're not going to really have three linebackers on the field a whole bunch. Um, but I like his athleticism, and he's very good in coverage. So I think he could be someone who could line up with tight ends too if need be, if need be. So I like him a lot. I really do. James, calling in from New Jersey, is up next. He had some reaction to the Wilson signing. Matty O, your boy James from New Jersey, what's up? So this is a second voicemail calling on a Thursday. I called you on a Wednesday. I hope you pick this voicemail in your in your episode. That's the other one. So you got this it. Is post that Wilson signing. So we finally got a done deal, and the cloud is 
over, it's not over us anymore. But obviously, the ES, but obviously all these analysts are still giving us crap about why it took so long for this to happen because it fired a jet. Now, of course, Mario, you know, I need you to help me out here. You're my, you're my savior to keep me at ease with the jet stuff. I drink the Kool-Aid. So okay. I started going into the Colin Cowher rant. Oh, I was no. saying that this shouldn't happen anyway. Started going to everyone saying it was a lose-lose, that even though the Jets got their offset and Zach Wilson gets his, 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 his money, yada, 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 I need you to put me at ease that, that this thing is going to be okay. Yes, he signed. Yes, we're ready to go. But everyone's still making a muck of it. So please just tell me, tell me, Mario, that it's okay now. Zach Wilson's here, and he's going to be, hopefully, the savior of this franchise. Just, I just need to hear that from you, Mario. Please help me out here. Also, mm-hmm. I like your stats, man, in terms of uh, your frame. I didn't know you were a tall guy. So oh, yeah. 225, and I saw your video on the toes. You got some, uh, got some more challenge there. Uh, <laughs> but I like it, man. Keep it up, man. But uh, please put me at ease here. I drunk the Kool-Aid of the uh, pessimist Jet Cam. Help sure. me get some optimism back to my buddy. Thank you again. And as always, go Jet. Yeah, man. That was such a fun video to make, the uh... – the tryout for the temporary quarterback. I know it's a little different from stuff I normally do. I just, I don't know. I was driving home from work. I was stuck in traffic on the Southern state and I was like, I want to do something fun today. And I, that's what I decided to do. And that, that was kind of the point. If I was like, if I was good at lighting it up, it wouldn't have been as funny. Like there were some bloopers in there because it's funny. Uh, but I appreciate it. It went over really well. I was happy with how that video did. And as far as one, don't listen to Colin Coward, please. He doesn't know what the hell he's talking about, especially with this New York Jets team. But with Zach Wilson here, that's all that matters. Practices with Mike White and James Morgan as the starting quarterback were throwaways. And thankfully, it was only two. If it was more, and it was at this point, he's still not signed as we are now in August. That would have been an issue. I'm not really too concerned about it at this point. He'll be able to play in every single preseason game. He's, he was there for the Saturday practice in front of the fans. He'll be there in front of the fans in the green and white scrimmage. It's uh, it's exciting times in Jets land. Please don't worry about the national media doing the LOL Jets thing. He's here. It's going to be okay. They're starting rosters around. It's going to be just fine, James. No need to sweat. Zach Wilson's in the building. Rusty is calling in next. And uh, he's got some takes about special teams. Hey, what's up, Matt? It's Rusty, a.k.a. Rusty Spooner. <laughs> love it. Love all y'all and love Gang Green Nation for sure. Uh, the the thing to get real with it, though, that drives me absolutely goddamn crazy, sorry for almost swearing but getting there, uh, is our special teams. I think we're good collectively, you know, understanding all around. But... When it comes to special teams, every it seems like most of us like to glorify man. He drives me crazy. I just don't understand why we don't look into like Marquez King. That guy, uh, I've always loved him. That he boots it like crazy. He had one mishap, you know. Uh, I don't know. And then on top of it, I'm not in there for ficking. What are your feelings on our special teams and? uh Hey, I love us. Love our gangrene family. If this is one thing that I can poke at, uh, I'm happy for that. But sure. it is scary, too, because special teams wins championships and Super Bowls. So love y'all. Gangrene for life. Rock on, guys. Love you. Bye-bye. Take care, Matt. Absolutely. Thank you for checking in. Um, I, I think I think man's going to be fine going forward. Um, I'm surprised that King is not in the league anymore. I thought he was a very good punter, actually. So I'm with you there. Um, Ficken's out, and uh, I don't know what they're going to do. I think their best shot is Borgales because I, I don't see how Tampa Bay keeps two kickers on the roster, and I think they're going suck up. If they cut suck up for some reason, again, I don't think they will, but if they do, I'd be so quick to scoop him up. I think that would make a ton of sense, but I think that might be your answer. They should be better at coverage and returns this year, though, which is a good thing. Last call, it's Braxton Berrios Truther calling in from Twitter. Hey, Matt, it's Mikey from Philly, a.k.a. the Braxton Berrios Truther. Now that our boy Zachy Dubs is signed, I once again asking you, okay. why do you not care about wins this year? In my expert opinion, given to me from all the years of listening to you, we need to beat the spread at six and a half, 
and win seven games this year. I think they do. My reasoning, we got a new quarterback. We got a new coach. We got a new offense. We got new running backs. We got a new offensive line. We got new receivers. We got a new defense. We got a new defensive line. And most importantly, Mosley is back. If we only win three, four games, I'll be severely disappointed. We need to win a lot of games. If we double our wins from last year but only win four games, I will literally be jumping off the Walt Whitman in my Barrios jersey and splatting into the ocean. Oh, no. No, seriously, though. <laughs> Where do we go if we only win four games? Like, what What a giant catastrophe would that be for all of this optimism, all of this new forward momentum for us to only win four games? Thanks. Go Jets. Go Barrios. Peace. <laughs> go Barrios. Um, what I mean by I don't necessarily care about wins and losses is now if they go three and – 14, then things probably didn't go well. But I guess I'll phrase it like this. I would probably rather them go 6 and 11, but have Zach Wilson putting up legit numbers, like playing all 17 games over 4,000 yards passing, 25 plus passing touchdowns, some rushing, and the offense cooking like a top, I don't know. 18 offense, something like that, and be 6-11, and 11, kind of like the Chargers last year, then go like 7-10 and 10 or 8-9 and, and have like the 30th overall offense and kind of like, I would rather, like, I'd rather go, this is a better way of explaining it, I'd rather go 6-11 and 11 and like I just explained than the 2019 Jets. The 2019 Jets at 7-9 and nine was a complete waste. They weren't a 7-1 team. They were able to get to that mark because the Buffalo didn't play their starters. They were able to beat the Steelers with absolutely, with pretty much nobody playing quarterback. They won like 16-10, something like that. They beat up on the Washington football team, then Redskins, I think. It doesn't matter. A giant, like they were not a good football team, but somehow got to seven wins because of a strong defensive play that regressed. It wasn't like, oh, they built off that strong defensive play. No, no, no. They they regressed defensively after a top 10 finish in DVOA. Um, so, yeah, that's I guess that's what I mean by it. I want to see signs of growth. I'd rather see the signs of growth and, like, hey, this team could be good for years to come than, like, a random, like, eight-win team with, like, some really crappy offensive play and getting beat a bunch of times. So um, that's what I mean. I don't think they're going to be a three- or four-win or five-win team. I think they win seven or eight games, so. We'll see. And I'm not going to decide on that seven or eight number until the end of my predictions, which will be, I guess, later in August. So can't believe we're in August already. That's an absolute blast. So one more time, I'll mention it again here at the end. If you're going to the green and white scrimmage, make sure to look for me. Come hang out, grab a picture, just hang out, whatever you want to do. Uh, and that's it. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get the show. Appreciate all the love and support. I am Matt O'Leary. I will talk to you next